But every, every good movie and every good story has a great conflict, right? Uh, we, we were watching Star Wars last night with our kids, and my daughter's like, Daddy, you only like the bad guys. And I was like, no, I don't. I'm like, I do kind of, though. I like the bad guys. But I love, a, I love the great conflict of the great villain. And it's, that's what makes a story so much better, right? And then, like in Apollo 13, it's just, like, uncertain. We're not sure what's going to happen. And the, all this, if you watch the movie, go watch it if you're under 30. Um, if, if, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, all this, all the whole movie is trying to figure out if they're going to be able to get these people home, and they get them home, and then that's the moment. Wow, we did it. And as we've been talking about Nehemiah, um, we get to the point where Nehemiah and the people of Israel finally rebuild the wall. And we start back at the beginning where uh, Israel is in exile. People are spread out all over the known world at the time. There is no hope for Israel. They rebuilt the temple, and, but there's no safety. There's no uh, joining together of the people. And so Nehemiah is sitting there and he feels the heart of God to come back and to rebuild the walls of, of Jerusalem. And when they start to rebuild the walls, they realize, man, this can be a lot of work. And they get opposition from every side, right? They get people saying that they're, they're not strong enough, they're not good enough, gosh darn it, people don't like them. Um, they, get, they get all this conflict from within themselves, right? Um, last week, Mark did a great job. Let's give Mark a round of applause. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Won't he do it? So... And, uh, and, so, and so now they've worked hard, they've overcome obs- uh, uh, obstacles and opposition, and now finally they've rebuilt the wall. From the moment that Nehemiah left and got to Jerusalem to the day that the wall was rebuilt was 52 days. It was 52 days. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? For that, it's not like here where you get like a bunch of bulldozers and get go to Home Depot and you get all the stuff, right? It's like 52 days of like carrying bricks and rock and rebuilding gates and all hands on deck. It's an amazing thing that happened. The wall length was about 4,000 meters, about two and a half miles. The height was about 12 meters or about 40 feet and averaged about two and a half feet, uh, two and a half meters wide or about nine feet wide. So 52 days, People of Israel, with opposition from all around them, from people inside their own camps, from people watching outside to see if they were going to fail, to even having to have a sword in one hand, right, and a tool in the other, took 52 days to build a a, a two-and-a-half-mile circle or a square of wall. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Pretty amazing. So after the wall is built, now what do you do? In your vision or your goals or your promises, the things that God has wanted you to do, sometimes you see those things happen and then you're like, now what? Right? Or sometimes you, you, like, you, you put all your effort and energy into this, into this project or into this vision or into this dream and then you get done with it and you're like, whew, we did it, yay. Now what? Right? And, and that's a weird place to be. Most people honestly don't even venture out on the journey to fulfill their dream. The other weird place to be is when you fulfill part of your dream and then you're like, now what? I want to have a family, now what? I want to get into this career, now what? I want to do this project or this thing for, for the Lord. I want to plant this church or we want to start this ministry, now what? And this is an incredibly profound part of what it means to, for God to fulfill the dreams and visions in his life is how we celebrate, how we celebrate. So let's read a little bit about this. Are we doing good? Good. Nehemiah 7, now the city, this is 4 and 5, now the city was large and spacious, 
but there was very few people in it, and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God put it in the hearts of the, to assemble the nobles, the officials, the common people for registration by families. I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. So the walls are rebuilt, and there's no one in it. Okay, we did this thing. Where is it? It's empty, right? So they summoned all of Israel to come home. They summon all of Israel to come home. They go to every exiled country. They find all the nobles, all the ones who were in charge before, all the, the heads of the tribes, and they say, hey, come home. we got to rebuild this rest of the city. The walls are built. It was open and spacious. One of the profound things that will happen when you fulfill God's promise is you'll bring people to God. Your impact and your vision for your life or for this next season of your life, it'll bring people home. It'll bring people back to God. It'll bring people back into connection. God's heart is always to build a relationship, and he will always bring people closer to him when we fulfill the things that God has put in our hearts. So if you think about your vision, you think your vision is okay, it's kind of good, but just so you know, your, your impact of your vision is not just a wall. The goal of your vision is not just a wall. It's to bring people back to the heart of God. The things that are on your heart, the holy discontents, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks, the things that just drive you crazy, you have to see fixed, the injustice you see, the missing link that you think is happening to, so we can serve people better, the people in your office or in your, in your workplace that are hurting and far from God. Your vision and the things that God has put on your heart, the purpose of that is to bring people closer to him. It's not to build a great church. It's not to have a great college ministry. It's not to do X, Y, not to have just a great, great family in and of itself, but it always draws people back to him. So the walls are rebuilt, and it's empty. And then God brings them all back from all over the region, people in exile, people that thought Israel would never, ever be able to be rebuilt again. People who had lost hope in who God was. People that lost hope in their own people. See, when you have a vision, when you have a purpose, when you have a dream, when you have a passion, it's way bigger than that one little thing. The purpose of it is for God to bring people back to him, to bring people back home, to bring people who maybe have felt so far and disenfranchised and disconnected from him back into relationship with him. So your home and you're working to build this great family is not just for your family, but it's to bring others closer together to have extra spots on the table for people. This vision of helping youth or helping young people or, or serving kids or whatever it is, is is about the kids, yeah, but it's going to draw all people back to him, people who have lost hope. Because when you walk around and you meet the people around in life, people have lost hope. And so they've misplaced their hope and they put their hope in things that are not very hopeful, like the Vikings <laughs> or the Broncos. Or a job or career that can change at any moment. Or a body and a health that can change at any moment. And when you do the things that God's put in your heart, where they seem so big or seem so small, the goal of it and the purpose is to bring people back to him. To bring people home. To bring people home. When we were in college, uh, we started this college group and uh, me and... These like bunch of kids that we didn't even love God very much. I don't know what we were doing. <laughs> but I remember our first college group we ever did. And we were like, we like 40 people came. And I was like, oh my gosh. And there was this kid 
that I went to camp with when I was like eight, ten years old, right? This kid, and he, and I remember, I remember, I we went to camp, and you know, camp experience. If you go to Bible camp when you're a kid, and you just cry, oh, I love you, God, you know, and you hug everyone, and there's girls there, you know, that's another story, but, <laughs> but uh, that's the main focus to some degree. Right, and this kid was there, and I remember I saw him, and he was like, just loved God and all this stuff. And then, and then I remember seeing him at track meets and sporting events throughout as we got older. And man, he had like changed so much. And, and I remember, and and he wouldn't even talk to us for some reason. It was weird, or whatever. And I remember the first college group we had. This kid walks in the walks in the, in the room, and he sits down. And about halfway through, I see him start to cry. The next week we have a little Bible study, and he comes and he's like, man, I'm so far away. I've so lost hope. I've so lost my perspective. And I saw for a moment that when you do the things that God's put in your heart, people come home. People connect with God. It doesn't have to be a sermon. It doesn't have to be a ministry. Maybe it's loving your neighbor well. But when you do that, people draw, are drawn closer to God. So if you read the book, the rest of chapter 7, there's a ton of names and tribes, and I wasn't going to put you through that because I love you. Um, <laughs> Plus, I can't pronounce half of them, so it's kind of a win-win. So chapter 8, the people have come back, and they, they built this platform. They put Ezra, who was the high priest, on it, and they went and they found the book of the law, which is the word of God, which is the Mosaic law, right? The first five books of the Old Testament. And, they, and, they, and Ezra stands up, and he stands above them, and he goes and he reads them. And this is what happens. It's real interesting. Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it all, the people all stood up. And Ezra praised the Lord, the, God, the, God, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces on the ground. Verse 9. Or verse 8. Then they, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave, us, they gave the sense so the people understood what was reading, was being readed, what, was, what he was reading. Who words are hard. Then Nehemiah the governor, the Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites, who were all instructing them, they said, this, is, this day is a holy day to the Lord your God. Do not weep or mourn, for all of the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. It's kind of an interesting thing. If I was in exile far away for years, 60 years at this, almost 60 to 70 years at this point, people have been in exile. And they come together finally and they read the law. And they read the story of, of God and how he created the world and how he, he took their people out of captivity and brought them into the promised land and that they are back into this place. And they stood and they worshiped God. They said, they, and they said, amen, which is let it be so, let it be so. And then they wept. They laid on the ground and wept. Isn't that kind of odd? Right? It's kind of like you saw in the video. Some people cheered. Other people just sat down, like, overwhelmed. What happens when you do the things that God wants you, to, wants you to do, and when you take steps of faith, and when you go towards things that God wants you to do, you realize that your vision has way bigger impact than a wall. Right? I can just see Nehemiah watching as they read the heart of God for his people. And people are just weeping. And why are they weeping? It's not because they're like, we're worthless, terrible people. We suck we're so bad, right? It's like, uh, it's like, uh, oh, we are home. We have, we, have, we have just gone so far away from who we really are. 
We have just sidetracked ourselves and become something we didn't want to be, but now here is who we are supposed to be. Do you ever have those moments when you kind of come back to who you're supposed to be and it feels so, so freeing and so refreshing and it just makes you want to cry like, oh, I'm home. The more you fake it, the more that feels good. The more farther you feel away, the more that feels like, man, this is good. I can just see Nehemiah saying, this is a holy day. This is the day the Lord has made. And he's realizing that his call from God was not just to build the wall, even though that's what he did. But it was to show, it was to honor God and to bring all of God's people back into relationship with him. That's incredible. You might think that your vision is really small or really weird or very insignificant. Well, I can't preach, but I can build something. Well, I can't, I, can't maybe, I can't maybe do a Bible study, but I could gather some people in this field and we could talk about how to fix this problem or this injustice we see. You might not be able to do something on stage or play guitar or play the in- instrument, but you can uh, serve your neighbor or you can help someone in need. And you might think that your, your um, vision is very insignificant, just like building a wall, construction. But man, God, Nehemiah is looking and seeing Wow, the purpose of this wall so, so Israel could be restored, so people can be restored. I know what happens in your mind, bless you, and mine. When I get a vision, when I get a dream, when I get an idea, it's like, well, what's that going to matter? How's that going to impact anyone? How's that, how am I going to do that with my time? How am I going to figure that out? I don't got no money. I ain't got no time. I got these kids. They make me busy. But man, Nehemiah was sitting with the king and just took a little risk. And his little risk led to 52 days of building, which led to the restoration of God's people. It's incredibly, incredibly profound. This is what it says in John chapter 8. So Jesus said this, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own on my own, but to speak what the Father has taught me. Another translation says, when you lift up the Son of Man, it'll draw all men to me, all men to him, all men back to God. When you do the things that God wants you to do, not only does it draw people to him, but it has a way bigger impact than you ever can, can have or think, and it seems so small or so little, the thing that you're doing, but it has so much more profound impact. Like when Jesus went to the cross, people were like, well, this is it, this is over. I guess it was a fun three years, guys. We'll write about it. It was good precepts, good ideas, good plans. And when Jesus was on the cross, they're like, oh man, it's over. Little did they know that the lifting up of the Son of Man would draw all people back to God. That that act of sacrifice, the pain, the, some, the most disgraceful way to die in that time, it was not luxurious, it was not, like, it was not noble. It was like, watch the sinner, let's kill him, let's make a public spectacle of him. And something that seems so insignificant transformed and restored the whole world. That's the reason why we're here today. So know that your vision, your dream, the things that you're asking God for, and if you're not doing that because you're afraid, man... It, when you get to heaven, the only thing we will regret is not fulfilling the things that God had put in our hearts. Right? And when you get older and you get to the last days of your life, all you'll do is regret, man, I should have loved more. I should have gave more. I should have spent more time with the people I loved. I should have done more for the Lord. That's the only thing we'll regret in heaven. The rest of it will be just like, woo, we're going to party. 
And I don't want that for you, and I don't want that for me. I'm going to take every little small dream and every, every little vision that seems so small or big and know that it has lasting and bigger impact to drop people back to God. And also, it'll have more impact that will ripple through eternity and ripple through history. But we won't, we won't know the little things that God does through what we do in our vision. So my, my prayer for you, man, go for it. Verse 10. Nehemiah said, it's time to, it's time to party. That's the translation. And he said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Probably Mountain Dew. And, uh, no, I'm just kidding. And send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the Lord, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and to drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. So they're all upset, they're sad, they're broken. There's a brokenness, which is okay to be sometimes. To have a kind of a, a sobering of, whoa, this is what's going on. God has called me to this. This is who I am. Right? Now it's like, get up, let's have a good time. Go get everybody, gather them all together, and we are going to celebrate who this God is. Psalm 30 says, For his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. I love that verse. Right? The, that, that sting where you realize, man, I'm so far away from where God wants me. That little moment of like, oh, I blew it. That, that re, the realization of like, man, Israel, we have been far for so long. That, that, that weeping, should, can, it can last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. And we have to turn our, oh, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I, God is so big, I'm so small. Now turn that into, but I've been called by God, and now I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to become who, who he wants me to be. Joy comes in the morning. On Sunday, last Sunday, we had a prayer time at the church and uh, Sunday night, and we had some, our church from Greeley came in the Spanish congregation and some of the team came and uh, we just want to pray over the building and pray for our team and it was one of those kind of weeping will last the night but joy comes in the morning right because I don't know about you but sometimes I get discouraged anyone else get discouraged sometimes or sometimes I'm like on this journey to fulfill this vision or I've been building this wall for 28 days and I'm tired I don't want to build anymore and we gathered together and we just prayed we heard from God again we heard the word of God, and we heard the vision, and we heard why we're doing what we're doing. We heard why we are called to be here and to do this thing and to impact Fort Collins and to broaden our reach and our impact into the community. And it was a profound moment of remembering who God is. It was a, it was a moment to remember that he is with us, he's going to lead us and guide us. And this is what happened. The same thing happens with, same thing happens with Israel. This is what happens in verse 9. So what they start doing, or in chapter 9, so they, they have this big celebration, and then they start to reestablish all of the ways of, of Israel, the way they lived, right? They, they got the, the Levites, and they got the temple ready, and they got, they're ready to offer sacrifices and to give offerings and tithe. And so they kind of reestablish, okay, we have the wall, we're safe, this is good, we're going we're gonna to do this now. And this is what they say. There's this big long lament in chapter nine. Go read it. It's like kind of depressing. It's just like tell them saying, God, we were terrible and we gave ourselves to idols and lots of tears, right? 
And this is how it ends. It says, but see, we, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its, abundance harvest, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. That's how the prayer ends. Do you ever have, like, we call them a come to Jesus meeting with Jesus? You're like, yeah, totally blew it. Yep. I'm in where I have to, I'm in I'm where I am today because of the things I did. There there we go. And then then they say this. In view of all of this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders and our levites and our priests are affixing their seals to it. So in chapter 10 then they they have this new agreement. This is how we're going to live now. This is who we're going to be. We were far away, and look, and we, we were disobedient, and we turned our hearts away from God, and then everything was destroyed, and now God has rebuilt the temple, and we've rebuilt the wall, and we are rebuilding our homes, and we're reestablishing our worship, and we are, like, back to who we're going to be. And then they make this agreement. They say, okay, now that that is done, now that that vision is over, this is the next vision. The reason why I think we flounder sometimes in the kingdom and we don't always advance the kingdom as much as I think God wants is because we do one thing, and then we just celebrate for, like, Eight months. <laughs> or I know people that are celebrating for years. Well, back in the day, I did this, and uh, it was awesome. I'm like, yeah, you're still celebrating. You ever meet that guy? It's like, yeah, in 98, we uh, went to state championship and <laughs> threw that touchdown pass and won, and, and, and like, no one cares except for that guy. I think sometimes we either don't celebrate enough or we celebrate too long, and I think sometimes that once we fulfill one vision, then we don't know what else to do next. And the next prayer we, after we fulfill the one vision is, all right, God, what do you have for us next? And that's what Israel did. And I think that's where in some ways we are as a church today. So many of you, and God, we put so much time and energy and prayer and heart and tears and laughter into building a church, and now I think God's like, okay, now what's next? Where are we going to go next? We, we've built a place for people to come and to worship and to be loved and cared for and to have their kids loved and cared for and to hear some good music, some honest, heartfelt worship and a people that are out in the community showing the love of Jesus in profound and deep ways. And in some way, we accomplished the promise to start this church and to be 23 in Fort Collins. And I think now God is saying, what is next? What are we going to do next? Who are we going to become as a church in this city? Who are we going to become as people? Known for how we love and for how we live. And known to be people of God, not because we wave, wave the banner or we have the sticker. But because they just know us by our love. They'll just know that we are part of 23 and part of the body of Christ by our love. Isaiah 43, I think, is a profound scripture for me right now, and I would ask that you would put, take this to heart and read it and put some prayer and time into it. Um, God's, fulfilling God's promise for us sets up another promise. Isn't that good news? It's not we're not one-and-done type people. You know, you ever watch like, college basketball? You're like, well, that'll be fine, but it's all going to be over next year. It doesn't matter, right? When you fulfill one promise, God counts you faithful to then put on your heart another vision or another promise or another dream to see the next thing happen. This is what Isaiah 43 says. It says this. It says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. 
Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me and the jackals and the ostriches, because ostriches are really scary. For I will give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. So give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I form for myself, that they may declare my praises. So something happens with Israel. Is I think it's, 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 they reestablish who they're going to be. They reestablish their life. And then they go about the way they were before. With, it's a weird chapter. Go read it. Chapter 12. Um, they put in charge of one of the parts of Israel, Tobiah, the guy, one of the guys who was mocking him the whole time. So the very thing that led them into exile before and led them into worshiping idols and uh, marrying into all sorts of different, uh, different cultures that, that was not part of God's plan was that they just started to like, let people into these th- positions. And they did the same thing right away. Nehemiah goes back to the king and he goes back to be the cupbearer and he goes back to the, his old job. And right when he leaves, they just go back to the way they were. Stupid Israel. <laughs> when you read the Old Testament, you're going to be like, man, Israel's so stupid. Then you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's me. Crap. (laughs) And they go back just to the way they were. And then about 70 years later, the same thing happens. The walls are destroyed. The temple is destroyed. And after this story, there is silence for 400 years. That's That's where the story ends. For 400 years, there's silence. Until what we're going to celebrate in about three weeks. A little baby crying in a manger, in a cave. Because Israel forgot to look forward into who they're going to be next. You guys want to come up? So I want to, in in some ways, for me, and this is a little bit selfish, just so you guys know, but I want to do this for me, but for all of us, I want to make this day a day of celebration, that God has done great things in our church, in our midst. Um, We're going to take communion this morning. Uh, to as, a, as remembering the former things, but then looking ahead to what God would have for us. I really believe in 2019 that God has asked of us to be more engaged out in the community and to see 23 shares become way broader of a reach. Um, over Christmas, we're going to take our Christmas offering for, for a nonprofit that works in Myanmar to feed children in remote villages buys a book and $12 feeds a kid for a year. So we're going to freaking load them up. How's that sound? Next year we're excited to really branch out into serving this community more. But it's going to be a challenge for all of us, not just me, to start to say, hey, who else needs to be in these seats? Who else needs to hear the things that God's doing here? who in your life is far from God or who's close to God but is looking for a home. And it's going to be, we need to gather back the people from the east and from the west and the north and the south to come so we can really impact this city in a broader way. Do you believe that? So it's going to be a really great year, 2019. But today we're just going to remember what Jesus has done for us and then we're not, and then we're not going to just sit and wait. Or it's, it's like when you feel like you've sinned and you messed up and then you just sit in that, right? And God's like, man, I never intended you to do that. We should feel the sting. We should feel that a little bit. But it's time to step up and out and it's time to go forward. And we're not going to be like Israel. 
even though we will in some ways, always. But we're not gonna just set it up. We got it, we're set, we're good to go. Woo, that was hard. But we're gonna ask God what's next. So Lord, we just ask that you would bless this day. That you would bless this moment. God, that we would take the things that we looked at, our dreams, our visions, our goals, the things that you've asked us to be and who you've asked us to become. Lord God, and we just, we celebrate with you today. And we say thank you so much for all that you've done. God, that you are the God of the promise. You are the God who put all this in our hearts, Lord. You are the God who makes it all work out. God, we are so grateful for you. Thank you so much that you sent your son to die so that we can live. To, to, you sent your son to resurrect so we can have not just a life that's new, but a life that has purpose and has mission. And his goal is to connect the people that we know to him. So God, we, we celebrate today by taking communion and remembering what you've done for us. And then, then we stand up and we rise up to become who you asked us to be in this next year. So God, we praise you and thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. As they pass this, just take some time and ask God, um, can you ask God, you know, if you're still struggling with this promise thing, what is God saying to me? Or if, you're, or if it's time to put something to bed in your life, and, or if there's something that you feel like God's saying to you in 2019, would you just have this time to reflect and remember what God has said to you? You give life, you are.